one. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Movie Marathon with Mike and Murph. We are here for another installment of Die Hard on a Blank. And today it is going to be Die Hard on a U.S. battleship, which is the USS Missouri. And Mike, who can we look to to rescue us uh, when it's Die Hard on the USS Missouri? Uh, a stripper. That's also true. Who else? <laughs> Uh well not Gary Busey and Drag because he's gonna double cross us. What about Johnny Cage? <laughs> uh, I, I are you referring to a little man named uh, Steven Seagal? I am referring to a little man by the name of Steven Seagal. I, I think it would choke both of us out if we were if he heard us refer to him as a little man. I'd be worried about 1992 Steven Seagal choking me out. Uh, my background is a picture of circa 2008 <laughs> Steven Seagal, and you think, uh, you, you think you'd take him. I think a donut could take him. <laughs> I think a donut and has, has taken him. So, uh, I'm, so I'm, I was... I'm not worried about modern day Seagal. I think as long as I'm standing up, I have a pretty good advantage to, de- to defeat him. <laughs> so I was researching some for the podcast and I've been really excited for this one while we go on. And uh, my excitement has waned a tiny bit. I know that's not a great intro to, <laughs> to a podcast but it's a great one one of, one of the reasons was i thought we were gonna talk about some fun silly steven seagal stories and there's like <laughs> two of them and then yeah. it's a lot of like sexual assault allegations sexual assault or he just injures people because he needs for yeah. his own ego <laughs> it's like no, nothing good that's what um, kind of bum. that's what kind of bummed me out watching it was uh Full disclosure, I, I watched it. I, I watched like half of this with my wife, and uh, we were sitting in bed. And she's like, well, "What do you have to watch?" And I was like, "Under Siege." And she's like, "Who's in that?" And I said Seagal, and she's she's groaned. Yeah, <laughs> I was she's, like, she's yeah. not wrong. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I get it. <laughs> so, not- so just to uh, uh, if people are catching up on the podcasts, uh, Murph, your wife, big fan, John Claude Van Damme, huge, not a fan, Steven Seagal. Fan. All right, th- all right. I'm <laughs> I, I'm not sure if it's specifically isolated to the splits that Van Damme can do, <laughs> or if it's the lack of Van Damme ponytail that also works. Man, I, I was going to say she is 1000% correct because uh, it's, it's you, you really wonder what was happening in, from 88 to like 94 that Steven Seagal became a star. Well, I think we're going to talk about it a lot, and I think I think by look, hey, I'll jump to the end. Of the I don't here. think we're going to figure it out. No, I, I it's it's pretty <laughs> obvious. I think the reason this movie's good is because of everybody else but Stephen Seagal. <laughs> so, movie. also, well, in doing research on this, so Andrew Davis is a director, probably uh, for our generation, most known for The Fugitive. I guess if you're ten years younger than us, maybe most known for Holes, the kind of kids Disney yeah, movie. Yeah, uh, like Shia LaBeouf's uh, first movie, right? Yeah. Which I've not seen, but it's supposed to be very good. Um, but uh, but so <laughs> Andrew Davis did Code of Silence with Chuck Norris. Hell yeah. Did Above the Law with Seagal. Hell did yeah. Did one other movie in between and then did This with Seagal again. And so I was reading some stuff up on him and <laughs> people were really uh, praising. He had a really, really great skill at taking wooden leading men and just giving them what they can do and making hits. <laughs> and 
Not wrong. I credit him. Seagal's in 41 minutes of this movie because I think the director realized, <laughs> like, I have Tommy Lee Jones and Gary Busey and Colin Meany. Like, I'm only making Seagal do what he can do. Yeah, I didn't. I would again to your point. I was pretty pumped about watching this. Uh, I remember as a kid, absolutely loving it, and 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 thinking how great Seagal Seagal was. And I think watching this now as an adult and looking back at kind of my perception as a kid, I'm like, <laughs> no. It turns out like the best thing they did is 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 sort of to minimize the lead actor's uh, lead yeah. actor's role in this. I think that was that was actually a very wise decision. Um, you did make me go back and look at Tommy Lee Jones' IMDb because he actually – Tommy Lee Jones in 1989 worked with Andrew Davis on a movie yes. called The Package, which I think – it's not a bad movie. It's kind of a Cold War espionage. Yeah, I was looking at the – I was like, ooh, that looks pretty interesting. So I've not seen that. And what's funny is – well, not funny, but like he does that and then he does uh, some movie called Firebirds. And then he does JFK, where he has a huge role in JFK. Oh, Tommy Lee Jones. Yeah, yeah, Tommy Lee Jones. And he does this. And then it's like after that, he does The Fugitive. And it's like really his wins the, career. He wins the Oscar for The Fugitive. Does he? Yeah, I believe so. Oh, I, I believe I he's a supporting, supporting actor on that one. Yeah, and that really like, yeah, it's like a run all of a sudden. Oh, that's why like Tommy Lee Jones is Tommy Lee Jones. Like, I thought he won it for J. I thought he won it for JFK. Okay. All right. Never mind. Now I have to go look, <laughs> but he. I mean, but, so yeah, he, he I, goes on and does Natural Born Killers. He does, um, which is a hell of a performance. <laughs> that is a crazy. Yeah, he plays a crazy warden. He plays. He's in. You, you see the DNA of that performance a bit in uh in uh, this. I think yeah, he won see, for the Fugitive. Uh, I think he was nominated see, for JFK. J. Okay, that makes sense. I mean, he was he was good in that, and then I think there's a lot of DNA. And you and I watched it. We haven't done it for the podcast yet, but uh, the park is mine. <laughs> there's a lot of. Uh, that kind of crazy energy in this as well for uh, his character, uh, yeah. Stranix. He's someone that I think we came of age or introduced to him at a time where his career was taken off. He was taken off and it was just like, oh, like he won an Oscar. Like, oh, he's a good actor. And so you just like you're just in your head like, oh, Tommy Lee Jones, he's always great. And it's funny to revisit some of these performances and be like, oh, man, he's going big. <laughs> like, well, so he's just going for it. <laughs> So three years after this, he plays Two Face, and he yeah. is really swinging for the fences in Two Face. In the best Batman movie, um, it, yeah, Batman Forever. Sorry, Batman Forever. Uh, I think that was the introduction of Bat Nipples. So obviously, that's the best Batman. <laughs> movie. But I mean, he he's he just has really good steady work after, like you know, from like nineteen ninety four up until yeah, two thousand twenty. I, mean, I think he, he's retired now, but um, yeah, he just became a guy that was. And was like, oh, Tommy Lee Jones is in it. Immediately let it take something credibility as well. Yeah, it's like, and he, I'm looking again, wow, we're going really deep on his IMDb. I really liked him in Captain America. He kind of has this cameo of a of a, a colonel. He's fantastic in No Country for Old Men. Yeah. Um, I think I think really helps make that movie along with Javier Bardem. Uh, I would argue that uh, the character of Hawk Hawkins from Space Cowboys, not so good, but... Uh... <laughs> He does. He does have some other good stuff uh, scattered throughout the late '90s and early 2000s. I think nominated again uh, for Lincoln supporting role again. I have not seen that actually. I've not seen it in a while. I remember enjoying it, but it's very much 
but we're gonna i'm gonna really derail this if i start talking about later period spielberg stuff so <laughs> um uh, we maybe want to get back to the well so <laughs> i forgot we were even talking about well i guess in terms of like the trajectory of of seagal and i think you and i both commented on on our introduction this to me was like the the movie that was the sign that seagal had arrived as an action hero uh and it i just remember as a kid it felt like a big deal uh and it felt like it was a big summer action movie and he had kind of done some b action movies before this um yeah i think above the law was a pretty big hit yeah, I remember. I uh, oof, man, yeah. I I definitely want to do an early, uh, <laughs> an early, uh, Seagal run at some point, just because there's, <laughs> well, there, there's a lot wanna, to. I, I don't want to do a late Seagal run. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> uh, no, because it'll be a lot of movies and none of them are good. Um, but leading up says hard to kill, uh, marked for death, out for justice, but um, all. <laughs> This is definitely a step up, though. This is like a real. Uh, I mean, it's got Tommy Lee Jones and Gary Busey, and like, it's it's obvious they're really like. Someone's like, okay, we gotta. The Seagal guy is making big box office. We gotta we gotta take a shot at what this can do. I mean, it, it worked. I mean, that that's the crazy. It did work. Sorry, I, I was looking at the names of. Uh, if I go from above the law, hard to kill, marked for death. And then out for justice, the four movies he had leading up to Under Siege, his his character names: Nico Toscani, Mason Storm, John Hatcher, and then Gino Fellino. <laughs> and finally, Casey Ryder. Casey, I will say that was one thing I really wanted to hit on with this. This movie has probably some of the most out outlandish yet good like character names throughout. And I really so we have you have Casey Ryback, which is just a really good uh uh character name you've got i don't know Str- is, is casey a great name for casey's a, a not i like i like ryback is like a although I, which i, I think know, was t- polish for a fisherman or for something like that it was like <laughs> oh, that did, did not come up in my research that was in one of those deep imdb <laughs> trivia pools like it was there it was like an an anagram or it was some sort of uh rooted in like another and like a polish word for something for that had to do with like navy seals Wow, I'm never gonna be able to back that shit up, but uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, so the character names in this are hilarious to me because you've got Ryback, uh, you've got Stranix, which is is Tommy Lee Jones's character, which, which sounds like a, a nerve gas, like yes. you see it in like a movie five years later, like <laughs> they have the Stranix nerve gas. Um, exactly, it's, it's it's such a bizarre name. Uh, Busey plays uh, Commander Krill. Um, uh, Erica Alaniac plays Jordan Tate. Um, it's just, it's just a, and then you have like, then you have a bunch of other people who are like, there's one guy whose name is just cue ball. And then like, <laughs> it's like the names in this are just bizarre, uh, but in a good way. Like, like everybody's just got kind of an outlandish, crazy name. And I, I really like that about it. I agree. I agree. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, but yeah, so this, this was a big hit. Uh, especially for for Seagal comes out in 92 after we just talked about the four sort of you know solid but building his resume action movies yeah. uh in the late 80s kind of early 90s like, um he got a but they got a budget for this for 35 million which felt like a lot for Seagal yeah this is a real like we're taking a shot on 
and he's a producer, so, so they they, might, they were putting all their eggs in one basket with this one, and then uh, it did about 157 million worldwide. Yeah, I mean, obviously made a sequel. Huge. So, yeah, yeah, and uh, that was a fantastic sequel. We should actually cover that uh, after this. I have actually a lot more memories of the sequel because when, around when my family got HBO would have been like a little bit after the sequel came out in theaters. So like that I watched under siege two so many times on HBO as like, I don't know, 13, 14 year old. I, yeah, I remember it being on like my grandparents had HBO and I remember watching, watching it a lot because yeah, it, it, it was, it was yeah, it was, I, there's got to be like a. I Which wish there not was shocking. <laughs> like it seems I, I like just... the level of success, the the brand name, like it's the perfect move for HBO just to play a ton. <laughs> it it is, and HBO had that had that trend of like there was a lot of B, like Stargate got a lot of play in the nineties. Yeah, uh, it, stuff it, like, like that. <laughs> movies that were like modest hits to like. They were maybe slightly disappointing to the studio and what they did to the box office would just HBO would just play the shit out of those kinds of movies. Yeah, and I think that's why I have an affinity for some of them too, is because they yeah. do just uh they do just play play that shit all the time. So Which, I was I was actually looking at uh so that comes out three years under siege to Dark Territory comes out three years after after the first one. Which we love to do. Catherine Heigel. Uh, Catherine yep. Heigl. Uh, young Catherine Heigl. Uh, Kurtwood Smith. Uh, that's always a fun cameo. Uh, and then it has. I think he will be. Uh, an all-time favorite, Everett McGill, playing the, as always, creepy. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, henchman in this <laughs> to uh, oh, Eric yeah. Bogosian. Um, I yeah, I I I have a soft spot for that movie, even though it's absolutely garbage. <laughs> Oh, I haven't seen it in so long. I think because I have so much affection for it that I don't want to spoil that. Uh, But we do need to do it at some point for the podcast. Maybe even for this run of the podcast. Maybe maybe we'll just tack it on instead of doing that rock movie instead. (laughs) Yeah, because after uh, watching this one, I'm I'm, I'm not a... I'm not too worried about spoiling my memory of Steven Seagal. (laughs) I think that ship has sailed. Yeah, uh, but, uh, strangely, Steven Seagal has done a fantastic job completely eradicating his persona. Um, so I, this would have been a rental for me, and I I distinctly remember renting it, and I think I rented it by myself when I would have first watched it. Um, and obviously, I mean, at that time, I loved it. <laughs> loved the movie. <laughs> and and then like caught it on like cable over the years. It was stuff probably. I mean, we could have even watched it at one of our movie marathons at some point. It would definitely would have been in the Yeah, in the, I don't I don't remember run for that type of It's Prime but, Fodder, but I don't remember to be honest. Probably like five, six years ago, I watched it again for like the first time in like a decade or so. And going into it, I had really low expectations. And what? Uh, because <laughs> uh, does that have anything to do with the picture of Putin and Seagal hanging out in your background? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> maybe uh, Steven Seagal. No, uh, <laughs> and I really loved it. I was shit. This is really good. And what I really remember is like is the Tommy Lee Jones kind of performance as the villain, and like, oh, this movie's got a lot going for it. Like. 
And going into it this time, I had those expectations and I was a little disappointed in it. But that's a roller coaster I can go on. I do it a lot with Bond movies where say it's like you only live twice. And I've not seen it in a while. And the last time I watched it, I was like, eh, it's an okay one. And I watch it. I'm like, oh, man, Tiger Tanaka, this is great. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) And then like, oh, crazy dubbed over Japanese guy. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And then two years go by and I'm like, oh, I'm going to watch You Only Live Twice. I love that movie. And then I watch it. I'm like, oh, right. There's like a lot of flaws in this movie. And like they try to turn Trent Connery into a Japanese guy and like. I think I will say I think the way we consume media has something to do today is has something to do with that because my recollection I'll pick on the Bond movies for they don't do them anymore right I don't, at least I don't see it on TV for like 20 years every year at least one channel would do a Bond marathon and they had the yeah, rights especially to, around like Thanksgiving or something yeah, yeah they would yeah, yeah. and that was kind of not, my how I remember watching a lot of anymore them. yeah um and that was always like it made it kind of like an event and it was i was always like okay great i will make time to sit and watch a bunch of these because yeah. um and usually like once you kind of get into like the roger moore ones that you can just burn through them and they're they're all a lot of fun um and i think it was more of an event and it, it kind of there was some build up to it i think to your point watching classic action movies has that same effect of um, if I watch them too much, you see too much, too many, too many threads and too many flaws within them. And I think if you if if you can have some distance, that's what makes some of these more enjoyable. Yeah. And, and it I, also it helps so much if you stumble upon it. If yeah, if like you flip, if you go on like Netflix and it's like and you go to like the just added, it's like, oh, man, they just added under siege and you're like I was. I had two hours to kill. <laughs> um, yeah, let's do it. Versus, oh, I am going to watch Under Siege. <laughs> it's like, it's a... <laughs> I'm going out of my way to rent it or buy it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I am going to make sure I watch the entire thing. That's a question I have. Did you own this, or did you have to rent this or, or watch it on on a streaming service? Oh, I I own the two pack DVD of Under Siege and Under, Under Siege Two. <laughs> Excellent. Do not worry. <laughs> Excellent. Well, uh, it, well, well, we'll talk about it later. I, I, I do want to talk about in the 1990s uh, some problems that happened with the medium through which so many people watch this. <laughs> <laughs> we should definitely talk about that later. But, but yeah. So my my intro with with it, I think as I saw it on cable initially. Um, I may have I may have seen it on HBO one night at my grandparents' house. Again, my grandparents had HBO. My mom didn't. And I want to say. I definitely have a, this is a weird story. I definitely remember watching um, Hard to Kill with my grandfather. And it was on HBO in the middle of the day. And it was the part where um, (laughs) it's like, it's like the beginning of the third act where Seagal. um, That's the one where he's Mason Storm. He's Mason Storm. And his wife, his wife at the time, Kelly LeBrock is in the movie (laughs) as his love interest, um, which I feel bad for (laughs) Kelly LeBrock because, um, uh, they were married, which is crazy for her. I feel bad, uh, just just in general. And I like Kelly Brock. Um, and I remember <laughs> uh, there's a scene where uh, Mason Storm is is like out of his coma. He's done all of this training and he's like meditating. And Kelly LeBrock comes in and they start hooking up. And I'm like probably maybe I'm not even I'm not even sure I'm ten. 
And my grandfather's literally, it's like one in the afternoon. My grandfather's just watching it like, yep. And my grandmother's just like, turn this the fuck off. <laughs> like, you can't watch this. And he's like, oh, like, like, what? Like, who cares? Like, no big deal. So that was like I'll, my I'll, intro to Seagal was. What I remember so much from that uh, that movie, the the intimacy scenes. Seagal is really aggressive on going for the going for the boobs. He yeah, is hardcore. And, and uh, just if, if, feeling up the actresses he's he's paired with. And I was like, this is quite the move there, buddy. Turns out, uh, foreshadowing for how he is as a human being. Yeah, so I, in my research on this one, I forget I forget the actress. Um, well, Pamela Anderson said he, I think, yes, it was Pamela Anderson said that. Well, no, that he did a casting couch thing to her of like was like, you gotta mm. sleep with me and I'll cast you in this movie because the girl out there she's gonna do it, and she like walked off and was like, no thanks. And in uh, the research is like Jenny McCarthy had the same story from a different movie and like. Yep. Just yep. multiple other actresses. It's like Jesus. Just well, I, I fucking shitbag. I, I guess I don't know. Credit to Erica Laniac. Everything I read said that that she didn't have any problems. But I think to your point, I think you said it. It could just be that she was just she encountered the same thing. Just wants nothing to do with it and is trying to stay kind yeah, of downwind I, of all that those problems. I mean, she said in things. Um, she said. I mean. So I, I saw some different interviews with her from different time periods. And so things close to the movie, she seemed fine with him, but he was a bigger star. So she could also, for her career, be like, I'm not going to burn. Yeah, you can't, you can't really probably feel like you can do anything. The ones later on kind of felt like she she said, oh, he was always very nice to me. He was always a gentleman to me, but also had a bit of a vibe of like I, I don't want to like <laughs> this guy's got enough out there on him. I don't feel the need. I need to warn anybody about this and I don't want to get dragged into any other shit with this kind of thing. But I, I, don't know. That's, I, 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 no, I, I think she was, I think she was being very tactful yeah. about the whole thing. And so speaking of tactful, the director <laughs> was also, also, uh, read a little bit of, and he had a similar tactic it seemed of just he kind of talked about working with Seagal on Above the Law and it's like oh he's a puppy dog like we worked in the story together and yeah he was more of a star on Under Siege and the, it kind of like left it did not say specifics but it was like you could like be like okay yeah so he's just more of a dick to work with and also, David has like worked with Timothy Jones on like three straight movies, and I guess a lot of the ca- like the crew, a little bit of the cast from this, went with him to do like the, the Fugitive as well. And like, seemingly a guy who worked with people repeatedly, and like after this, like never touched Seagal again. <laughs> and no, I, I, his I, career I, went in a direction where like ups and downs, where like he could have. It would have been a possibility at like different times to maybe do that. Or like, it just seemed like he was like, yeah, that guy, like, I'm not going to, not interested in touching whatever was happening with him. No. And I, I think, I think, uh, this is, this is sort of the, uh, maybe under siege is the, the, the Icarus tale for, for Steven Seagal. Yeah. And he got, he gets a little too close to the sun with his stardom and this. And then it's probably what starts to sow his own destruction i mean it's crazy because again as a kid 
this was like a big deal movie. It launched it, it to me really launched him as a as a leading action star. Again, this is the time of Van Damme, Dolph Lundgren uh, coming along, and they're sort of the tier two guys after Stallone and Schwarzenegger. Well, it's um, pretty stunning though, and Van, um, I guess Van Damme's one of these guys too. Which I mean, to to say like he <laughs> maybe <laughs> got a little full of himself or a little hard to work with. He does on Deadly Ground, which is famous for uh, his control over it. Then does Under Siege Two, and then he's to Executive Decision, where he they're using his presence to kill him off as like a moment. And then it, it's, I mean, some movies that like I am aware of, kind of remember, but like really starts falling pretty fast, like. I think I think it's like he was a one trick pony. Yeah, I think it I think it shows up. I also think he 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 sort of rises to power at the tail end of the the, the sort of, you know, call it 10, 15 year run of action movies. Right. That Everyone fell off at that time. Like we've talked yeah. about Stallone. Like that was also a time where his career suddenly dropped a bit of. Which I think um, are, we're doing cliffhanger. On this one, right? Who are we? <laughs> That'll be fun. Ooh, it's, like that's a good movie, and that's kind of a late, a late, a late stage Stallone. Die Hard uh, on a Mountain. Die Hard on a Mountain, yeah, maybe. Yeah. Um, yeah, and yeah. Uh, but you know, <laughs> even Stallone, like to your point, was struggling making good stuff. Yeah, he um, needed that at that point of yeah. And then I think by you, you move on three or four years from this, and I think the action action series it was going to like Will of, Smith sci-fi, yeah, yeah. yeah right. And I, I think anyway, go ahead. Sorry, I'll, I'll stop. No, I was going to say, do you want to go uh, get into the movie? Oh, let's get into it. Let's get into it like we're getting so, into a cake to celebrate an admiral's birthday. <laughs> <laughs> do you mind if I put you on the spot? We are we are doing cliffhanger. Sorry, yes, put me on the spot. All right. I need you to describe to me <laughs> I know and ask. our robust audience the plan that William Stranix has come up with. As I understand it, um, you could probably give... I, I, I would like to think that uh, Brigadier General Francis X. Hummel <laughs> took a lot of inspiration from this movie. Because this basically is the premise of The Rock. Um, so as I understand it, uh, the the bad guy's plan in this is uh, this disavowed CIA agent, uh, William Stranix, has put together a team of mercenaries to overtake the USS Missouri as it's being decommissioned for its nuclear, nuclear-tipped nuclear uh, Tomahawk missiles. And so he infiltrates uh, the decommissioning of the ship right before it actually takes place. Uh, using a very expensive and very elaborate uh, birthday party, which we will touch on <laughs> as a ruse. And then he uses that plus his infiltration of some of the crew uh, to take over the boat. And then he calls the Pentagon to effectively ransom money. Uh, and then, well, now, okay, now I'm already going, I'm now I'm already losing track. All right. I think he's either <laughs> ransoming money from the Pentagon or, and, or, He's also in the process of trying to auction off the warheads, which he plans to offload from the ship onto a submarine so that he can get paid 
and still take the missiles with him and escape uh, basically undetected from the U.S. Navy uh, into the middle of the Pacific Ocean. <laughs> That's my understanding of his plan. <laughs> yeah, he's definitely selling those missiles to whoever whoever would be interested. I, I think uh, it's implied in this is like year Iran, 1992. It's, yeah, it's whoever, Iraq. It's, yeah. it's something like North that. Korea, like, yeah. yeah. There's like three but, countries that were like, okay, at that time, we're okay to just completely shit on the movie. And yeah. that was those countries. <laughs> That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Um, <laughs> the one I, other question I, I I was struggling to, to describe. <laughs> Casey Ryback. Mm-hmm. Uh, former Navy SEAL. Some shit went bad in Panama. What is his relationship with the captain of the Missouri? <laughs> uh, it's definitely sexual. <laughs> it's possible. No, I was actually explain I was actually why he's so bitter. It is. He's bitter, but he he he's very protective of Casey Ryback. That was the one thing I that didn't make any sense to me. And I was I don't know why. I'm sitting at work thinking about this, which probably tells you I need to get out more. Um, is <laughs> Casey Ryback is like this legend in the special forces community that everybody in the Pentagon knows who he is. There's like the Admiral knows who he is. He's very revered and respected by the Admiral, even though he kind of talks back and he's kind of a, you know, kind of a a dick and he doesn't show any respect for any of his superiors other than like the Admiral. And so it's just funny that, you know, the big reveal for, for um, uh, Gary Busey's commander Krill is to find out that, that, this guy that nobody's letting him mess with, even though he's like the lowest rank on the, on the ship <laughs> is actually some sort of special forces uh, commando that, that right. <laughs> um, has this crazy long resume and reputation for, for how good of an operator he is. And it's like, who literally <laughs> everyone at the, everybody Pentagon knows. except like knows. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, okay, all right, we're, I guess we're going to do that. So, yeah. So, which, so the backstory on Casey Ryback is he was like, the greatest Navy SEAL ever. <laughs> and, which, is a, some, which is a rank you can earn. <laughs> yeah. 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 But some shit went bad in Panama and like his whole team died and he like was disgraced, had to take the fall for it. And mm. he lost he his punched out. He punched plans. out a, a senior officer. Yes, that's right. He because he was out, like, angry. an admiral or something like, yeah. yeah. So he lost his security clearance. So the only rank he could get was like a cook or like something else. But he took the cook job so that he could get out his like 20 years of service to get his like pension. Yeah. The captain knows all this. And so like protects him and like treats him like treats him really well of like, no, I respect what you did. I get I get what you're doing. We're going to help you out. For some reason, the captain doesn't tell the XO any of that. (laughs) And the XO doesn't just know it. I'm also being in the Navy. <laughs> That's what I don't get. Why wouldn't you tell your second in command? Like, it, it's all security clearance. It's all like, you can't even say this guy was a Navy SEAL before. Like, that's how like, I, I, the I, missions were. <laughs> I do know there is some sensitivity around some of that when you're an active, when you're an active special forces member. But I, I agree. It, it is it, it's it's weird that the movie kind of wants it both ways of 
He's revered and, and nobody and everybody knows well, who he is, but he's also a nobody. We're talking about James Bond. It's the James Bond phenomenon. Yeah, it's okay. We, oh, we, James Bond, the most famous secret spy in the world, but he can also go undercover and infiltrate. Uh, <laughs> and he like, changes his last name to things like Sin- James Sinchin Smythe. Or like James Stock or yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, or James Brown. God, I, I need to start. I need to start. <laughs> I gotta start using like uh, those as like screen names. It's just just bad James Bond cover <laughs> names that are like one letter away from actually being his real name. <laughs> Which actually, James Stock and James Sinjin Smythe are are uh, names he uses in the same movie. They are. They're both in the beautiful. <laughs> they uh, were fantastic, man. They were tapped out of ideas. <laughs> they that one. They yes, were. they were. They were scrambling. Cubby Broccoli could not make enough spaghetti to make everybody get their creative juices flowing. I'm really glad we're slowly transferring just to being a James Bond podcast. <laughs> eh, arguably better than this movie. <laughs> so, oh man. So, all right. So, as a, like a teenager watching this, Casey Ryback's like "fuck you" attitude towards everybody plays a whole lot better than it did as an adult watching it. Oh, as an adult, he's horrible. I'm like, yeah, kick his ass out of the Navy. Like, he sucks. Right. And they, they show he gets along well with his, like, team, his immediate people he works with. But, like, it's really a pretty big arrogant ass. It's like, yeah, I get why the XO would fucking hate this guy if this is how he acts. Like, he's better than everybody else. Yeah, and he fights people, and he beats up. He beats up. Uh, he punches Busey, um, which I I do I do <laughs> like all of all of the interaction Busey's bringing with uh, with with Seagal because Busey's doing all the work. Yeah, of, oh, of, it's of, great. even even though Ryback's not a great guy, and even though Seagal is not a good actor, Busey really does bring a lot of energy that 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 makes those scenes fun, where where they're 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 kind of verbally spatting with each other. Um, but yeah, I, I think I will say I have without blowing somebody else's spot up, uh, I have friends who've been in, in pretty, pretty high up special forces groups. Uh, and it is funny from stories they've told me, you kind of have to have a, don't give a fuck attitude to sort of have some of that that swagger way or yeah. And and you kind of have to have some interesting ability to make some interesting choices. I'll just say that. <laughs> um, and I could kind of see some of that in the people I know who've been in special forces, and that's not a, a knock on them. But then the way they present Casey Ryback here, it's like they're showing you on one hand, hey, look over here, Busey's a bad guy. But on the other hand, he, like he is punching somebody who's a senior officer. <laughs> he is like. Shit yeah, talking people like you, you have to follow so, some like, level of PC's discipline. kind of a dick, but it's it's a dick within the ranks they are assigned. Mm-hmm. It's and he's obviously like you get there's like a backstory to their relationship where he's already it's already escalated to this point. Um, but for the movie itself, I also find it weird. Why would you make Gary Busey? Why would you make Commander Krill? antagonistic with him if he's the one double crossing them like wouldn't it be a million times more interesting if 
they got along. Oh, <laughs> or, like, it's like an actual double. An it's effort. an actual double cross. Right. So he was like he was big, or at least once he decided to do the double cross, like make an effort to like not be a like an asshole. Like I don't. It I think would be I more think, fun. I feel to have that reveal. I I agree, and I think I think the part of where this movie does suffer watching it now as an adult is there are there are dozens of loose threads you can see from earlier script versions that that <laughs> maybe don't make a lot of sense that's one of them and then um like i, I you could make the argument you don't really need stranix as a character you could just have krill as the the main bad guy and you take away some of the they introduce it in the last five minutes. In the final fight, they introduce the fact that Ryback and Stranix know each other. Really has no bearing on the movie. <laughs> you could argue right. just leave it all out. Uh, yeah, it's just, just make like, out of nowhere. And you almost have to rewind it to be like, wait a minute, did they just say like they have a prior relationship? Of like, <laughs> I know it was you, Ryback. You fucked the Admiral. But then Stranix doesn't know <laughs> Ryback. <laughs> Mm. Either no, str- they, str- or I don't know. I, I, think, I, I have to uh, watch it again to fully commit to that. <laughs> but I don't know. I um, I, I like I said, I, going through it again as an adult, I felt like there was a lot of loose threads of yeah. And you and I talked about it a little bit. Like you really don't need the Jordan Tate character. I'm not saying get rid of it because uh, I certainly <laughs> enjoyed that part of the movie as a kid. Um, uh, but, it was an important part of my development a, as a I, young man. I, I actually think you could credit uh, Eric Laniac, uh's nudity in this movie as being one of the tent poles for this movie for why so many people actually went and saw it. Um, yeah, it's still at that time. Of, it was for yeah, teenagers. Yeah, that was a big and deal. It's also, and especially renting it. Oh yeah, um, and but talking about like loose strings, like it, man. That character is tacked on to the movie. <laughs> she is, and I don't mind her as an actress in it. I just don't think that like the role didn't really serve any purpose. And then there's the whole ending yeah. where where her no, she's Ryback, good. Just yeah. the character is not developed or written enough, or not given any stakes to do or ability or like, to do anything. Yeah. It's like she's there to be a. I mean, I, I'm not saying when I say this, I don't say it, I'm not saying it in a way that. I think this is how I feel. She's written and presented like, oh, she's just a dumb woman here for comic relief. And that's that's how they sort of present her the entire it, time. And doesn't and, make or sense. she's meant to like some of the male characters they run up with later on to bounce off of as comic relief. That she is. Yeah. And even to make them look ineffectual. Yeah. I mean, like when she she basically neuters uh, uh, yeah. uh, Johnny yeah. Cage, Damien Shadow. <laughs> uh but I mean, <laughs> all right. Well, we're not there yet. Um, <laughs> we're there. So, so Commander Krill, Gary Busey. He's played in the surprise birthday party for the captain. Admiral. <laughs> and man, is the admiral? I thought yeah. it was the cap. Is the admiral on the ship? Or the captain yeah. and the admiral's coming? No, the admiral's that old guy that. Uh... I thought he was just the captain. No, he's there. Okay. Well, you keep going. You you keep going. I will. I will. I will get. You I will get to take, the bottom of this. <laughs> I'll take on the Lord's work, which is making sure we have the ranks established correctly for underseas. Because we would we would not be able to go forward with this podcast without that. <laughs> it's a critical path item right now. 
So, so keep Gary going. Busey planning a surprise birthday party. So he's flying in on a helicopter, what is supposed to be a band and catering. Shit, it's a captain. All right. Yes. <laughs> Victory. <laughs> I am invincible. <laughs> Fuck. All right, keep going. Uh, so for the captain's birthday. No. <laughs> so they're also uh, flying in with... so. The band and this catering company are the the so the lead singer of the band is Tommy Lee Jones, which is always hilarious to me because <laughs> go as his career goes on from here, no one seems less likely to be the lead singer of like a seventies styles rock band than Tommy Lee Jones. Like uh, it just always is very funny to me. I I actually like Tommy Lee Jones in, the, in that part. Oh, he's, he's fantastic! Just, he's bringing some crazy fun energy in it. And I just oh think it's yeah, like, oh definitely. I, I really I really like that 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 part of it. He seems like he would be a fun hang, but I also don't think that's indicative of what Tommy Lee Jones is actually like. <laughs> no <laughs> so. idea, but uh, just other roles he's played, like him playing that was supposed to be like this party and rock star. Um, it's kind of funny. It just is like, yeah, this is not who this guy is. <laughs> no, not even But it, it like works. But but who they also have with them for is who is not in on this plan at all is a Playboy Playmate model to jump out of a cake and do a strip tease. But they're never gonna do that because they're gonna murder the captain and take well over before the ship and these bombs. Yeah. And so it seems they're bringing her along for the 12 minutes when they disembark the helicopter and all the men get really excited to see an attractive woman. And then Tommy Lee Jones drugs her and she passes out in like a storage room. I actually thought about this and I don't, I'm going to, I'm going to counter your point. You're, you're, you're not wrong. It, It does come off as weird. If I, if you think about it though, it's probably pretty smart because it's probably Gary Busey and Tommy Lee Jones using her as a total distraction to get all their guys on the boat. Because what you don't pay attention to when she's getting off the, the helicopter is, is all else? the brooding, menacing waiters <laughs> <laughs> that look like that, they're hired killers. I did have the same thought. I thought it but is. I, yeah, I don't it, think you're it's wrong. not unreasonable with this, like boat of men who have been at sea forever that this will buy you cover uh, to do this and it worked it is no threat and it it, it did work if there's no casey ryback it would have worked um which also also though <laughs> so gary Busey talks to like a couple people because he has to get clearance for this helicopter to land and only the captain's supposed to clear that and so Guy's like, I, I, I got to tell the captain. He's like, oh, it's supposed to be the captain's surprise party. And then the captain confronts him and whatnot. But so one of the guys he's talking to, though, he's like, look who else is coming. He pulls out like a Playboy and shows him. And it uh, it's the same Playboy that Kevin McAllister pulls out of Buzz's trunk in uh, Home Alone. <laughs> uh, yeah. And it's actually that must have been a big issue around 1991, 1992 or <laughs> uh, which I think if I'm not mistaken, it's the July 1989 uh, issue of Playboy, which is the issue that Eric Alaniac was actually in. Wow. Um, uh, which you can buy right now on Amazon for $40. <laughs> 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 I 
I was googling that right as you. Uh, no, yeah, it's uh, July of Miss July of 1989 is Erica Laniac. Forty dollars, huh? Uh, you could buy it on wow. eBay though for the low low price of seventeen dollars. Wow! So all right, there we go. Um, <laughs> God, I, it, this is hilarious. Sorry. Uh, anyway. I got distracted by something that I shouldn't be looking at right now. By um, putting your by doing your buy it now for seventeen dollars, yeah. the July eighty nine Playboy. No, I, I'm actually selling it. That's the problem. I'm, I'm the seller. <laughs> on so I'm trying to get rid of it because <laughs> is it one of those listings on eBay where it's like you have one hundred copies of it? <laughs> and you're, Pretty much, yeah. You just buying one of them. <laughs> I've actually been uh, sending out, selling, and sending out fake Erica Laniac headshots <laughs> for about the last ten years. That's how I've been making some. That's how I'm gonna put my kids through college. Is that that side <laughs> hustle? <laughs> so, um, no, look, I, 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 I like the elaborate plan. I mean, it's it is it is silly, but I do think it. Like, I, I was thinking about like what you said. You know, does it make any sense? Yeah, probably not. But it 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 also does give them a good entry of okay, they're plausibly distracting all of these military or these navy guys that've been on, stuck on a ship and it's a good way to sneak a bunch of guys on and the thing i i thought was funny was none of the stuff that Busey's setting up for this party the, the the captain is like 75 years old like he doesn't want to do any of this shit like <laughs> hey how do you want to do the birthday party for the 75 year old man uh we're gonna do a rock band and strippers and it's like i'm pretty yeah. sure you're not planning this for the for the captain also they the rock band performs a number yeah. So when they were interviewing these potential mercenaries, they had to also look for the skill set of like, okay, we need a bass player, we need a drummer, we need a guitar guy. Like, I think uh, to, anyone, to, anyone able to do keyboards. <laughs> to to Busey's credit, he he really does literally plan this movie out to the point that, uh, um, or, or this this party out to the point that if he really had to do cover for it, I feel like. They could do a couple hours worth of like fake party stuff before they actually pull off this uh this uh this coup. So uh, props to <laughs> Commander Krill for really really uh buying in on the whole the whole subterfuge of this. I'd I'd like to think they were like 50-50 if they were gonna <laughs> do it or if they were just gonna do the party. <laughs> do you think that like Stranix made him pay for the stripper or pay for Jordan out of his own share of the, the potential? earnings from this <laughs> with the, the from the missiles you're selling for like i'm telling you i'm telling 20 you, or 100 million i'm or telling something. you stranix we got to do this otherwise they're never gonna buy it or do you think just gary Busey was a big fan of that playboy <laughs> and that's a hundred like, that's a hundred percent but like possible. we're saying they shoehorned this in the movie but he actually krill shoehorned this into the plan it's like guys we can get miss playboy 89 july we got to do it for the plan. And they're like, they're like, I think why? that's what I like about Gary Busey was <laughs> I, I don't, I haven't seen anything of his pre probably early eighties, but every role he's played, I feel like you're getting about 85% silver bullet. Uh, yeah. Like silver bullet on where he plays uh, the sort of semi-alcoholic uncle red. I yeah. think anything you see past that, like that point, you're getting like 85% that's just Busey. <laughs> that's just that's just the guy. You're not getting any acting, you're not getting a character. It's like Well, I always you, wonder you, uh, is he being cast cuz they're going to ask him like we want you to go big. Do that big Gary Busey thing. Or like or like 
when, when did one thing turn into the other? Where that, that was, was what like, I was going to ask him to do this. So this is what I do. Or was like, yeah. <laughs> I, this uh, one, they definitely ask him to go big. <laughs> I wish I knew. Um, I don't think I, I have a good a good enough handle on his 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 filmography to really tell you, but I I do think that by the time this movie's out, like he's playing a care, almost a caricature of himself like this and maybe uh, point yeah. break. I feel like are the turning points where it goes. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Do you want to, uh, wow, vamp about in... Gary Busey's career for 60 seconds? Yeah, I do. I was actually just looking at his IMDb. I forgot he's in black sheep and black sheep. He is a hundred percent a character of himself. <laughs> yeah. And that's only yeah, if you, four if, years later. If you're casting him in black sheep. That's to be, all right. I'm going to run for 60 seconds. I believe in you. <laughs> Okay, so what what I <laughs> what I I'm looking at I am his IMDb credits. I for oh man I forgot. All right, so he he's he plays. Um, oh God, what is his name? He's in Lethal Weapon One. I think he's actually a pretty pretty serious actor in that. I really enjoyed the care uh, his character. Oh yeah, Mr. Joshua in Lethal Weapon. He's got kind of the same energy in Predator Two. But then by the time he's doing this and the firm in 93, he seems like he's gone full caricature of himself. And what's interesting is you go back in time, you look at you look at his career, and it's like, okay, he was in big movies like a star, the original Stars Born. He's in Thunderbolt and Lightfoot, which is a which is a great movie. And then uh he at some point just seems to fall off the wagon as an actor. And everything after about 1992 or 1993, he's just not good in. So it's, I don't know. It's a shame that uh, uh, his career and like his personal life didn't just have a better trajectory. Cause I think, I think that's part of what, what drove him off the rails is I think he was having around the early nineties, he was having a lot of personal problems with, with substance abuse. And I think that's, that's probably part of what made him maybe difficult to work with or, or, made him into the caricature of, of what Gary Busey kind of became because he had, he had a, he had a good career. He still had a good career. And I actually forgot he was in uh fear and loathing in Las Vegas, which I don't remember what role he's in in that man. And silver bullet. Love that. <laughs> and uh, I think well, big I, Wednesday, I think big Wednesday was like one of his breakout roles. I've not seen it, but I've heard, I've heard good things about it. All right. I'm back. <laughs> I'm back. baby. Um, yeah. No, but what you're talking about, I wonder if it goes into what we talk about with like action movies kind of hitting that stride. If he he kind of became a reliable guy for like, you know, Lethal Weapon Under Siege, Point Break, and they no longer were making those movies. And so they kind of moved I think away. I think it's that from I, roles I, where he where you would want someone to go so big like that. I think it's that. And I think it's I think he did have substance abuse problems. And I think that contributed to it I, and i mentioned i think my while you were away I, I watched it a few months ago but uh thunderbolt and lightfoot and i really like that movie and i was trying to think like i don't remember who he is in that like i don't remember his character but he he was in some important and kind of big movies you know across the but late I, 60s i believe his big was his the buddy holly story played and played buddy holly i think yeah you're you're right big yep. breakout for him you're right you're um, right but then it's just weird how his career just never seemed to really take off. It's a shame. 
I mean, you could argue it did. I mean, you know, he's got, I mean, doing yeah. a lethal weapon, Predator 2, Point Break. I mean, I think eight movies we all remember and know, and they, holy shit, I forgot he was in Rookie of the Year. <laughs> yeah, I've not seen that. I, uh, I loved that movie as a kid. <laughs> what what was his role in? Uh he <laughs> he was Chet Stedman. <laughs> uh, he was a, he was just a player on the team who was kind of like a mentor to the not Chet kid Stedman from uh, American Pie. <laughs> who's that the, is the uh, kid from American Pie? You're right. Movie. You're yeah. right. Um. Well, yeah, I, I, I think it's a, it's a shame to me that Busey's career didn't, didn't care. He's great in this. I really enjoy him in this. He, like, he gets 80... together with the kid's mom in uh, Rookie yeah, of the Year, if I remember. So, yeah, he hey, does. Still get it. Still get it, baby. Still got it. Do, do not think I would want uh, Gary Busey's my stepdad, though. <laughs> <laughs> that seems like a nightmare. Seems like a weird, weird setup for Christmas. <laughs> a lot of teeth. Yeah. What are you getting for Christmas? I'm giving you all dentures. <laughs> I got seven pairs. I gotta give them away. Um, uh, but he's uh, <laughs> very good in this movie, and has a very extended drag sequence. <laughs> I like. I liked all that. I thought it was fun. I thought it was. It was okay. They're having. He's having fun with it. He gets to play kind of a crazy yes. character, and I think and it, it surprisingly aged pretty well. It, it has because he never plays it like in a weird, uncomfortable. You know, they're trying to make a statement about drag way. They're, they're just making him look crazy, and that's it. Well, he that's, plays that's it as good. someone who that's that someone does drag. He's like into it and flirting and like doing like he's into the character. I, which is again, I, like, I think yeah. he, he he's bringing an energy that a lot of that you'll never get from Seagal. Him and him and <laughs> Tommy Lee Jones. Is a gall doing drag? No, it'd be horrible. <laughs> it'd be it'd be horrible. The worst thing in the world. Yeah, I, but I, I think that that Busey's bringing some levity and some energy. Yes, to he the has the proper just, drag energy. To yeah, yeah, like like that you're just not going to get. You're not going to get it from from Seagal. And I think, I think um, that is why this movie works. Is and you said earlier that in a movie that's I think uh, what is what is the runtime on this? It's it's almost two hours. I think Close right. To, yeah. Yeah. That less than 50% of it includes the star of the movie. Yeah. And that's a good thing. That's a good thing in this case. Percentage wise, I think he's has as much screen time in this as he does in the executive decision. Oh man. A movie in which he dies. He dies early on. But that movie is like over two hours. So I um I all right, so let's let's talk. All right, all right. So yeah, we've we've got we've barely we've, touched we've, on this movie. We've gone way off track. So they take over the boat. Uh, they they shoot a couple of guys. They've contacted uh, the 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 Pentagon and and made it clear that uh, obviously the CIA tried to kill and screw over Tommy Lee Jones's character, and so he's effectively taken over the ship as revenge slash. I'm going to hold them hostage for for. <laughs> Uh, all and, they all they've wronged me for, and Krill's motivation just seems to be largely he got captain. He, he got dicked over Ryback for well. <laughs> yeah, he got or he got dicked over for promotion, and he's like, or okay, like, yeah, well, I, I got a pretty petty for the level of this betrayal. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think they're trying to set up <laughs> set him up as a uh, as a 
he's crazy, he's unhinged, and he's unpredictable. And that's probably why his his motivation is revenge yeah, as well. Oh, it's like he's just demented. Busey plays it where you believe this guy would do this. Certainly, it's more like getting down and drilling down to the writing of it to question it. It's a Busey sells it certainly. <laughs> so, hey, I want to talk about um because they they seem to try and highlight this a couple of times. And this is one of the first movies where watching this, I finally realized it. Let's talk about the what, do you, what would you say the fitness level overall of Seagal is in this? Because after Krill takes over, um, Ryback's been locked up in the in the freezer by one of the uh, deputy marshals that that we'll see in, in F- the Fugitive next year, <laughs> the year after this comes out, yeah. um, doing a terrible Southern accent, and uh, he gets locked in there and then has to fight his way out. Um, when they go to the scenes where uh, Seagal's in a tank top, and I'm not one to talk, but <laughs> what level of fitness would you call Seagal? Uh, like you and me? <laughs> yeah, or worse. Because he's our age. Yeah. Oh, fuck. All right. He is our age when he made this. And I, I, I look at this and I'm like, no, that guy is and like it, 40, 47 years old. It feels like it. <laughs> yeah. He, I mean, he's like in the same shape I am. Yeah. If not worse. And it's just funny because they do have some scenes in this where it feels like they're trying to do fight sequences, which is what Seagal was supposed to be all about. And it does feel like they slow it. They either it's too slow or they are purposely doing special camera cuts to try and work around all of his. There's just a, a lot of him moving his hands like really f- quickly in front yeah. of him. And then like shit happens. Yeah. <laughs> and I get like, that's supposed to be, I mean, it's Aikido is what he was yeah, known Aikido for. Aikido is his is his. And so he like discipline. supposed to do some handstand and like throw people. And, like so, I, I, I like it's a little bit. That's just what he did. But it, as an adult, there are times it's like I don't know if I buy this guy's taking on this like twenty year old Navy guy. I would argue the entire final fight between knife fight between uh, Tommy Lee Jones and Seagal is basically just a big slap fight. <laughs> oh, it is. It a thousand percent is. <laughs> But I think uh, if you're willing, so I, I think I was because we were doing it for the podcast. I was watching too closely. I think if you just like throwing this movie on and not worried about like you're taking notes, you're gonna have to talk about it, and just willing to roll with it. It's probably I think those probably do still play a little better. Like they're not like they're good enough. Yeah, well, as a kid, it works. And as an adult, when I'm actually trying to be more mindful of these things, it doesn't It doesn't land. It's all sort of like, well, this is silly. <laughs> like, this right. But it's also no more ludicrous than Harrison Ford in Air Force One. <laughs> like, uh, doing yes anything no. he does. <laughs> I listened. To, I listened to that episode today. I will say we do we do hit on it. I think it's more indicative of the age of Harrison Ford when he shot it. Well, His go to move. In he's that supposed is, to be the president, and like, a, like, yeah. Well, he's the president, but he's it's also a Vietnam veteran, a, and he's like a, not a Navy Honor SEAL. Winner. But yeah, he's not. But Harrison Ford's go to move in that is to just whip his body at people, uh, and, and use that as like a blunt <laughs> instrument. And I, I think to me, I'm like. Yeah, that lands. Like I get that. That that would probably be what I would do if I were in that situation. <laughs> and so I think so, that that works better here compared to Seagal, like um, no tricep, skinny armed Seagal. <laughs> yeah, it's arms. The tank top is like funny for a guy too. who's supposed to be like for what this era shape. is a movie making. Like the arms oh. are not like 
ripped like <laughs> like i'm curious like so I, now now that makes me curious like so let's see like any other action guy from this time period who has like muscular arms <laughs> so Seagal is 70 right now i'm gonna look up in the same period Let's see. Well, we're at a time you're getting like Schwarzenegger. You're getting Stallone, Schwarzenegger like, the year before. Well, you like Bruce Willis is supposed to be more of an everyman, and his arms are like three times as thick as Seagal's. Seagal looks like he's does zero, zero. And I'm I have not been to the gym in a long time. I have done a terrible job <laughs> of keeping up, keeping myself in shape. But in '91, the year before this, T2, and Schwarzenegger still ripped. Stallone does uh, cliffhanger the year after this, ripped. Um, yeah. Um, to your point, Bruce Willis does. He plays kind of an everyman in Die Hard Three, and that's two years after, two or three years after this. Still looks like he's in pretty good shape. It's just like it's weird. It's funny to me how out of there's shape some, there's muscle. Is. Yeah, yeah. It's like yeah. No, there's just it's like dude has never been in the gym, and, I, and yeah, that's he, coming from a person who sporadically at best works out. So, <laughs> <laughs> but okay, so. <laughs> they have him in his skinny arms <laughs> locked in the meat locker <laughs> which i will i sorry one more thing to add to all of this to to to, to shit on somebody who um, was probably still in better shape than i was at this age um <laughs> if you get Fair. a chance definitely go get on youtube and check out any videos of him running in his earlier action movies because he has the craziest run as, <laughs> as an action star it's all arms and it just looks like he's just like he's paddling or something i don't know but i gotta i you, you gotta check it out uh geez it's <laughs> a shitty guy but it's fascinating i think that's what attracted putin to him was the the running the running he's like that guy that's the guy he gets it he gets it we need him for 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 the new world order <laughs> no god wait are we gonna get killed by by putin if we release this podcast probably fuck <laughs> <laughs> he took it pretty well. All right. All right. So he's locked in a meat locker. Yes. <laughs> uh, so Busey locks him in a meat locker after insubordination. And, and uh, so, and he leaves this like lowly new guy to like guard him. Um, <laughs> and so this guy's eventually like radioing him, like, uh, basically, like, hey guys. It's been like an hour or two. Like the cook's still locked in the meat locker, and it's kind of asking to get out if he can. And like maybe we got to do something. And like, <laughs> and so Tommy Lee Jones and Gary Busey are like, "What the fuck is this?" And like, so they send guys to deal with it. But of course, this is when uh, Casey Ryback <laughs> has developed a plan. <laughs> so, do you remember how does he lure them into the meat locker? Are they letting him out? No, I I think um, the way it happens is uh, I'm trying to find the guy's name. Um, <laughs> I, I'm trying to find that because his name is it, it's one of the uh, it's one of the agents from from fugitive the fugitive, and I'm trying to find what his name was. Uh, and he's a he's an interesting kind of fun character actor but in this he a newman he plays newman in the fugitive it's a guy named tom wood and uh so he he radios in saying hey i've got basically i've got right back locked up in the freezer 
um what's going on up there it sounds like we heard we heard gunshots and so this is before they know they have ryback because hey that's the that's your ace in the hole if you're the u.s navy and they send uh because uh what's his name um tommy lee jones has this great line and he's like i'm gonna send these two guys down and uh they're gonna they're gonna take care of of one cook and one marine because they could take on 100 of these guys and so so <laughs> They don't know who they've got. They don't know they're dealing with Ryback yet. They send him down, and so they basically shoot. They shoot, or they capture and shoot um, the the ensign that is uh, this guy Tom Wood, and then he tells them that Ryback is in the the freezer. And so for some reason, these guys just unload on the lock with their their machine guns, and they open up the door and they unload on everything that's inside of the the. Um, the the freezer as if it is john j rambo that is in that freezer <laughs> waiting for them and then um uh ryback is hiding in the ceiling uh sweeps down knocks no both of them out and then he uses a yes. knife to to stab this a pretty good throwing knife to get a guy in the throat and then i don't remember how he dispatches the other guy i think he it's more hand to hand. It's a hand to hand. He like breaks his neck or something. <sighs> then he makes a bomb that is the best yes. timed bomb in the history of man. That he puts he, in the microwave. Yeah, it, it's like a it's like a um, Brillo pad and like rubbing alcohol <laughs> and a cup and a microwave, and he sets it from anywhere from two minutes to fifty minutes. I don't actually know. Oh, what it's got to be like forty five because yeah. it's way later in the movie where. <laughs> Guys it's are after, coming down to investigate this. Yeah, and of course, um, but Navy SEAL training, they do have microwave bomb timing as a pretty important course. Yeah, I think that's a part of Buds, which is your entry course into actually being a SEAL. And if you don't do that during a Hell Week, you you fail out and you have to do the whole thing yeah. over. Again. I mean, they they test you, and if you get that timing wrong, you're out. So like, you just gotta you gotta be able to do that stuff. Do you think it depends on the wattage of the microwave, or is of it course of a, okay? Right. When I'm making sure. like frozen vegetables in the microwave, it tells you different times. Like if you have a 700 watt or a thousand watt, it's that it's a big difference. All right, all right. If you're making a bomb and you want to make sure it goes off, not 10 minutes from now, but maybe in 35 to 37 minutes from now, do you set it to the popcorn setting or do you set it to uh, pizza reheat? Uh, you might even need to look at defrost. Oh, if you're going that that's long, that's it. That's it. <laughs> God damn it. I knew I did something wrong. <laughs> this is why I'm a Navy SEAL. That's why you're a Navy SEAL. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I know about the defrost setting. <laughs> so, <laughs> I crushed that. <laughs> you, I'm proud of you. I'm very proud of you. you also, I failed everything else. but You also might be on a, on a watch list It's now. so critical. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <It's> So yeah, I, I do enjoy all of like the traps. There's one, there's one good trap I will say. Like like Casey Ryback towards the end of it, he does set a grenade inside of like like on a on a crank crank handle yeah, on, a, on a navy the... door, and he sets the grenade, pulls the pin, and, and leaves it, knowing that this guy's going to open the door and it's going to drop the grenade and go off. I was like, okay, that's a good, that's I like a good, that you know, booby trap for for the bad guys. But a lot of the movie. He's just doing these weird, elaborate setups that just like you would need you would need to be able to predict the future for this to actually work out correctly. 
Well, so I like that one you're talking about where he puts the grid in the thing. But I really liked about that scene is Tommy Lee Jones. They've like figured out who he is. And Tommy Lee Jones is telling everybody, don't like, okay, we got to start taking this guy seriously. Like, don't chase him. So the guy, he, the guy's going, he's like, don't open that like hatch. And the guy opens the hatch and obviously it blows up and kills him. Um, and it's just nice. Like they're it's showing Tommy Lee Jones's intelligence of like, this is who we're dealing with. And they're starting to take him seriously. And, they run a nice little time of that, and Seagal starts. He sabotages like the helicopter they have and starts sabotaging things. But they start to then, so they go back after Seagal sabotage some stuff. There, Tommy Lee Jones, Gary Busey, but particularly Tommy Lee Jones, is like, okay, we got to get on the offensive against this guy, and so. They're going to go after they've trapped all the sailors on the ship in this compartment and they're going to flood it and kill them all and be like, OK, that's the distraction because he's going to have to go save them all. And that's what he'll do because he's the hero. And while he's doing all that shit, we'll know where he is. We can take care of our stuff and it'll be fine. And unbeknownst to them, uh, Seagal has gone and freed basically like a bunch of it's like cooks and like other like laundry people and stuff that have been like he seems to free the shittiest people other yeah (laughs) like the most incapable people on the boat and but to me like watching it this time it hit a different way for me of it was like oh they're having seagal do this to have seagal in the movie less (laughs) like because we're doing this as like Die Hard on a battleship, and like John McClane never goes and like frees a room of security guards or anything. <laughs> like fair, fair point. Like that Bruce Willis be like super charming screen presence, Bruce Willis. But you have Steven Seagal in your movie, so it's okay. We have to limit as and so it's the same with like the stripper. They give him a sidekick immediately as soon as they can. They give him a sidekick that so like he has someone to bounce off of, someone who is interesting to watch on screen. And then when they get to have more action, they immediately have him free like five or six guys who can help him and be other presences on screen. And it was like, man, like they really had no respect for Seagal in his ability to carry like scenes on the screen. Do you think he understood that, though? I, I thought about that. It was like his ego. Well, and like maybe he did and that all his arrogance was like overcompensating for realizing I am he's not be, qualified he's being to dimin- do this. He's being diminished in, in his actual role. Well, it's like I, I am not qualified as an actor to do like to be the leading man of a major Hollywood movie. And instead of accepting those limitations and working with it the way I think like Davis was trying to do the director and the script was trying to do. He just became a dick. (laughs) Yeah. What's sad, I guess. Well, ultimately, if that was the case, whoever made the decision, if it was Andrew Davis or was the producers, the the crazy thing, they weren't wrong. No, they were a thousand percent right. (laughs) (laughs) They were dead on. They were dead on. People, 
people who definitely understand. And, and again, um, I think we've talked about it a little bit, but if you look at the at the cast and crew around um, Seagal in this, it's it's people who have a much stronger you know resume and, and ability than he does. You know, you talked about Andrew Davis. Andrew Davis did um, um, quite a few kind of big action movies. Um, I was even looking at some of the producers. The producers were like the producers of uh, Arnon uh, Michelin was one of the guys. And I think it's another guy as well. He was a producer on Fight Club, Birdman, Barbarian, um, 12 Years a Slave, The Big Short, Revenant, Heat. This is uh, a pretty woman. Like these are people who had an eye for talent. And, and I think there's a lot of, I, I, I can't remember um, uh, what's his name. The cinematographer, Frank Titty. Or sorry, Frank Tidy, Tidy, Titty. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I may have just completely insulted people. Great. Um, you have people who who are probably more talented than Sagala's all around him in this movie, and that's probably why. Not probably. That is why this movie works. Is is it is a much better cast and crew around him to keep this whole thing going. Left to his own devices is like the the lead. You're gonna get a B movie every time you have Sagal. Yeah, and and you still have to work around him to have that B movie. <laughs> yeah, correct, correct. I I think what was the one you said on Deadly Ground? I think that's a oh yeah yeah a case in point where he he decides that for that movie he wants to be Native American well, <laughs> is is like his persona. So the big payoff at the end of this movie is uh, Seagal surrounded by a bunch of these Navy guys grabs the stripper and kisses her, <laughs> and it's. One of the most unearned kisses unearned, I've ever seen yeah. in my life. And also and, feels... And unwelcome. <laughs> right. It literally feels like sexual assault because what the situation is. And like, they've had zero chemistry where you would think that would be okay. And now she's just surrounded by like a hundred men. And it's like, oh my God. And this... That, that's what I, I think... I, they don't do enough to ever watch again, watching this as an adult, they don't do enough to ever really prove out to you, the audience that Seagal is actually that capable or that intelligent or that and good of a special forces. Operative. I guess, I guess that's the problem also with giving him the sidekick of the stripper. Well, she's only there not, to make, to make him look smarter. That's, that's right. That's what I don't like. But he's not able to emotionally connect with her. No, it's so like she's doing all like the legwork to make their relationship work, and, the, and like it works okay. Like he saves her, she saves him eventually, and like those all those all work well. But for as far as the emotional beats of their relationship, like at no point do they feel close because he seems incapable of emotion. <laughs> and he's just he's just shitty to her for for frankly for most of the movie. Like yeah, like all all of the stuff that he does that seems intelligent. Like he gets that satellite phone. And he's setting it up, and she's like, well, "Like, what is that? A phone?" And he's like, "Yeah, it's not a car phone." And it's like, "Okay, it's like, like I, she's she's there as a punchline." But I get he's up in a pretty intense situation where like you don't have time to humor somebody. So like, I don't mind that so much. But they never give anything for their relationship to ever build. <laughs> no, other than she's worried about him when she thinks he gets he gets blown up in the. When the helicopter he blows up the helicopter, the 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 Chinook that's on the 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 deck of the helicopter of the of the um 
Battleship. Battleship. Uh, he blows it up so they can't escape. But then, thank God, they've got a submarine they can escape to as well with a crazy <laughs> drunk Russian or Middle Eastern or uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, Eastern European um, captain who's who's piloting it. So all that stuff, like it felt like um, Casey Ryback is Solid Snake. That's all I could take away from it. It, it really has those vibes. Like you could make a under siege video game that could be very Metal Gear Solid esque. But then, um, where do you introduce the misogyny in Solid Snake to make sure that you get those points across? <laughs> What's the, I well, think actually, they go hand in hand for both properties. They actually kind of do because now I'm thinking, what was the. Uh, her name was Meryl. That was Meryl. One of the, yeah. 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 Okay. So they they kind of they kind of did that actually yeah. too. Yeah. There's plenty in there. <laughs> so okay. Good. Uh, uh, Hido Kojima hates women too. Great. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> not not at a canon level, but <laughs> mm. it's hard to be uh, hard to beat canon in terms of uh, overall misogyny. <laughs> um. Well. So what what do you what do you think is the is the best outcome for this if you're if you're Stranic like what do you think he's actually gonna what, what do you do after this because he, he blows up a a naval station in Hawaii they're gonna sell a bunch of nuclear weapons on the the black market Polaris missiles uh Polaris Polaris missiles Polaris they say is, it a lot <laughs> is it Polar wait it's not Polaris. Tomahawk? Oh, is it Tomahawk? I'm it, pretty sure it's Polaris, but I, I I'm gonna go. I'll, I'll take you to the mat on this one. I think it's right. it's, Tom, it's Tomahawks. This, this I'll tell you this thing. This movie had all right. This, this had this had a bunch of um. Hey, I watched Desert Storm on CNN vibes. Uh, well, it's, it was right at that time because one it of the was, things right was after. like uh, the first Bush was taking like nuclear weapon that and that's part of what this actually plot was they were like denuclearizing <laughs> yeah i know <laughs> just roll with it <laughs> the like some of the missiles are like all the missiles on these like battleships and things um so that's why they i think if you had seen this at the time it would have played a little um it would have played it would have made it would have felt like contemporary. Yeah, that's fair. I I, I don't think you're wrong. I, I it it is just funny to me because the word tomahawk is probably used more in this movie than anything else I've ever seen. Um, for the now tomahawk missiles. Think, that, that now I'm thinking you're right. I'm trying to think what the fuck I watched recently that had Polaris missiles. It's something. <laughs> I I I while while you look for it, I um I just I think it's funny. Because what is the best outcome for Gary Busey in this? Like, he somehow well, escaped. I mean, I guess they like, escape and... and have a bunch of money and live in, on like, islands. But, like, I think they're still coming after you. Oh, no, they're coming after you. Like, like you're done. You're going to tell me that with teeth like that, the U.S. isn't going to find you and, and track you down? That's happening. Busey's character's done. And I, that's one thing I want to have explained to me is is I don't. <laughs> what? You know what had Polaris missiles in it? The 1968 Batman movie. 1966 Batman movie. 1966. Yes. <laughs> All right. You that's are absolutely correct. Google search. You, you nailed it. 
Hey, I, I watched that with my kids this weekend. <laughs> Did they like it? Um, they so they did they got a kick out of it but then um it got late so we went to bed and only uh only sam watched the end of it with me the next morning man i haven't seen that in a long time i'm trying to it's think fun. it's yeah it's, it's, it's got um caesar romero is is the joke it's got like all the yes. batman it's got caesar romero's it's got uh meredith. burgess meredith yeah. as uh the penguin which that blew my mind as an adult i'm like wait wait, wait. you're gonna tell me that mick was yeah. Also, ten years earlier, it was the penguin. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> and then I, I just remember having, and this is weird because obviously I'm, I'm significantly younger. Um, whoever played Catwoman in that, it was uh, Earth. You... It wasn't Eartha Kit. It was somebody else. Uh, Lee Mayweather. Uh, huge, huge crush on her. Uh, you, you were not wrong. <laughs> she looks great in that movie. Um, and I. I it was just funny to think about because she she's even when I watch it as a contempt like as a contemporary she's still significantly older but yeah it, it that that uh that landed with me more than it probably should have <laughs> <laughs> now I'm now looking at Lee Mer- Merriweather <laughs> <laughs> do, do we need to take a break <laughs> No, Give we're good. A <laughs> oh, did she? Oh, did she play um, uh, the wife of Herman Munster in the Munsters too? Oh, I have no idea. <laughs> wow, we are going way off course. Um, <laughs> but they were they so they were Tomahawk missiles. <laughs> all right, they were Tomahawk missiles. So I, I'd like to thank Polaris missiles for taking us that far off track. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, this, this movie feels like it was also predicated on. Um, hey, I watched the entire Gulf Gulf War on on um, and <laughs> uh, CNN when they were showing and re airing clips of uh, what do you call it the the um, missiles with uh, cameras and heat seeking capability built into it. They were broadcasting. Yeah. I remember watching those thing those news things as a kid. I do too. I. Um, I remember, uh, and actually, actually, somebody you know as well from high school. Uh, <laughs> their dad was a was uh, a doctor in uh, Desert Storm, and I remember when we were watching it in like first grade or second grade. She had like a breakdown because her dad was overseas, and it, it's wow. not funny. It's horrible, but it was it was like that's my memory of, of Desert Storm was somebody who 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 actually had family that were there while it was going on, and. Uh, yeah, this took a really weird, serious turn. So I'm going to turn this back to <laughs> talking about something more, more, more funny. But uh, it does, it does feel like it, you're right. There, there's stakes in this that 1992 land a lot better. Yeah, you know, well, with context of Desert Storm and like what's going on with the U.S. military. I think some of the writing there, quickly running past things or glossing over things that an audience in '92 would immediately understand what mm-hmm. was happening and watching it in like 2023 we're like a little behind of like wait, like wait what does that mean what do they do where it's like oh they're doing this and I, I so i think there is a bit of a 
and, and not this kind of had to be there movies. to get it. Kind of had to be great, there to get like it. 70s movies where I wouldn't fault them for this. Uh, but it was just you needed the historical context. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And I mean, I, I was watching uh, the original, the taking of Pelham one, one, two, three. And, and a lot of that's context of like, well, if you lived in New York in the 70s, that movie makes all the sense in the world. If you don't, you it, it may not land as well. You like, got to trust it makes sense. Like, yeah, right. And I think I think this is kind of the same thing of th- this works perfect in 1992 you know 2023 it it probably doesn't man this thing's 31 years is this 31 years old (laughs) yeah wild my god well i feel old um and uh uh, (laughs) good news you are (laughs) good good news you'll be in august i will be in april um and uh yeah this this definitely feels of its time and yeah yeah well, it's also you forget. So, like, <laughs> I was talking about uh, Tommy Lee Jones comes on as like it feels like a very like seventies rocker, but that was like thirteen years ago. <laughs> mm. So it's not like yeah, that's uh, <laughs> damn. That's damn. Like, that guy feels accurate for the time. Like, yeah, yeah. Well, all right, I'm gonna do a quick Google. While you're Googling, I want to give a shout out to Kamini in this. Uh, feels like he's the guy who like puts everything together. He's like the HR guy for all this <laughs> for their terrorist plot. I think you're right. Sorry, I was looking up uh, the Sticky Fingers Rolling Stone album came out in <laughs> April of 1971. And that is shorter in terms of distance from to yeah. under siege as it is under sieges to today which is oh man so like someone being really into that that stick that album it's not, it's in not 1992 it's, it's not crazy it's like it's okay way more just... legitimate than us doing a podcast on about under, under siege, siege. <laughs> yeah <laughs> exactly the... yeah wow we really tied that together and i'm gonna go kill myself <laughs> so it's great <laughs> Which is weird. I like Under Siege and I like the Sticky Fingers album. They're both really good. So, <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I th- there's a like twelve hour long podcast we could do on what that means for our, our culture. But <laughs> Sticky Fingers or, or or Under Siege, or just just what that phenomenon of nineteen seventy one feels as relevant as like 1992 and like i think i don't know like it's man we're going backwards then aren't we yeah um or i don't know something along those lines but there's something about uh <laughs> where we are as a we've frozen certain elements in our culture of like like anything from like you don't hear a lot of music from like 1951 mm-hmm. but there's like a certain point in time where i don't know it's like you listen to like the classic rock radio station here and it's mostly the same music they were playing 20 years ago with a little bit like mixed in and then there's like a frozen element in time of like certain things in in culture right now of like yeah i don't know that like no, there's like I... a 50 60 year period that's all homogenized i, I feel like i agree and i <laughs> I love I love that we're getting super deep 
yeah. <laughs> on uh, the the cultural zeitgeist, and over the last fifty years on a movie about under <laughs> called Under Siege, that um, the zeitgeist cared about Steven Seagal for <laughs> five years. Well, you know what? Uh, Six years. <laughs> uh, to, to tie it all back together, though, you're not wrong. Tie it all back together again. The high point of this movie is not Steven Seagal. He he was he was the yeah. headline in 1992. Is why people came came to see this. Why I think this is still a fun movie to come back to, and you've already said it too. So I'm not I'm not saying anything you haven't already said. Is it's everything else and everybody else who's around Seagal in this, and it's it's Tommy Lee Jones, it's it's Gary Busey, it's Cole Meany, it's a lot of the supporting cast that that make this a fun, rewatchable. I want to come back to it every couple of years. Movie. It's it's not has nothing to do with Steven Seagal. And why Actually, it still works is because they knew that at the time. Well, it's probably to your point. It's probably why Andrew Davis didn't come back to him again. Right? Like, he probably was like, okay, yeah, great. There, we, we, what else are we going to do with him? <laughs> yeah, we we kind of got some lightning in a bottle yeah. to some extent. It worked. They pulled this movie off. He probably knows he's – and he, he, he made the right choice. He took Tommy Lee Jones, and he directed a vehicle with – Harrison Ford, Tommy Lee Jones, and a lot of the supporting cast from this that that, that work really well together. And I think, you know, Andrew Davis, to your point earlier, Andrew Davis's career choice is pretty indicative of why Seagal's career goes the way it does. Yeah, he can only do, and it, it's not dissimilar from Van Damme. They, they, they're a good pair to talk about together, but it's a, they're limited. They didn't have the yeah. emotional range. So once these action movies started to fade from being the big blockbusters like they just couldn't they had nowhere to go to why but why like you know bruce willis and even like stallone or even like it really gives credit to schwarzenegger that they stayed stars they found places to go to well and these guys just just could not i i I think to your point like uh stallone's a good example i don't I've never seen it, so I will, I will caveat it. But like Stallone, four years from now, five years from now, is doing Copland, and he's trying to. Yeah, he puts on weight pivot. for that. He's playing. Uh, yeah. yeah, that's uh, yep, yep. And I, uh, uh, I was actually trying to look at um, Schwarzenegger's IMDb. Um, Which, so he's talking about Schwarzenegger. Andrew Davis directed Collateral Damage. <laughs> Oh, Just that's a bad, that's that a out there. bad movie. I I I think uh, so. Do- talking about Davis, so he does a couple years after this, like Chain Reaction, which is not a good movie, but I remember seeing that in theaters. But I don't think the problem with that movie was the directing. No, it's I, the premise I and... might I I might say some of the problem with Chain Reaction, not some of the problem with Collateral Damage, might be the directing. <laughs> like I, but that might also be it's. That's 2002, and it might yeah. just be they're trying to that that do that, that was a movie that was wholly trying to capitalize to on breakthrough in 2002. There, yeah, it's a different time, and like we got to do something to do something. We can't. This is in 1992. <laughs> like we got to differentiate ourselves from what's out there they had to but but collateral damage to me was a movie that was 100 percent capitalizing on 9-11 that, that was like one of the first big action yeah. movies i remember coming out after 9-11 and i feel like that's what it's it's pointing back to those same s- sensibilities of 
Schwarzenegger plays a firefighter. His family's killed in a terrorist attack. It, it it feels like they're trying to go for a specific um, mindset for that movie. But uh, yeah, yeah, but yeah. No, I, anyway, I think I'm right, going back to to what we're talking about. <laughs> I, know. I, 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 I do. Th- I do think that Andrew Davis's career choice of stepping away from Seagal obviously was the right one long term. And two, it, it's indicative of why this movie works is all their talent is actually like on the bad guys and oh, yeah it makes decent supporting good guys but but man Tommy Lee Jones is just he's batting a thousand in this and, and really having to sell a lot of stuff that uh Seagal just can't eat him on and it, it really feel it feels like Andrew Davis met with Gary Busey and Tommy Lee Jones and all these guys and it was like all right you you, you know who <laughs> Steven Seagal is. You guys <laughs> have to bring all the energy. Like he's he's not bringing anything. You guys have to like make this a movie, and like they are because they are they are always throwing a hundred miles an hour. Like and Tommy Lee Jones, like I, he brings an energy that that's just a lot of fun that you just don't get from from. So- and even Busey or I, yeah, so it was Tommy Lee Jones. I had one issue a little bit with it, but I, and it's a bit intentional in the script and in, in I think in the movie of um. So he has a scene where he he's talking to the basically the Pentagon, um, and I did did enjoy. They uh the set design on the Pentagon is uh is a lift from Doctor Strangelove. And then <laughs> Tommy Lee Jones is he's intentionally acting crazy to make them as part of his plan of like, oh, like they're gonna not know what to do because like they're not gonna know what I'm gonna do because I'm just acting like a crazy person. Um and so some of the stuff he says is very reminiscent of the um the general from Dr. Strange Love, who's like interested in like the purity of essence things. Um, it's uh, he goes on like a rambling speech where he brings like touches on that a tiny bit. Um, so it's a nice touch, but his energy in that is so big and crazy, but he's also so big and crazy at other times. And I think he's meant to be a little unhinged, but I, I, I could never find my footing with him of is he completely crazy? <laughs> is he like, is he like, so is he smart and has everything planned out and knows what he's doing? I, I, I could never quite find where he was at as a character, as, a, as being a smart villain or just a crazy villain. And I, I don't know. I don't know. Did you, I don't know. Where did you I, fall on that? I think he's supposed to be a smart villain. That's how I took, I took it was that, at his heart, he's he he is a smart villain who is using the crazy crazy approaches a, a misdirect, so people think he's so effectively he's being underestimated by the U.S. government. So whatever he's going to do, that they, they're not going to anticipate what his actual motive or his actual direction is going to be. That's like, why. That's why I took yeah, it. I about it. Well, because I think we've left out like all these guys they brought on board as like caterers and things are building these like are welding these like giant rigs for them to like unload all these like missiles and things like it's a pretty elaborate plan <laughs> he's got going on here what do you think the dessert is for this party <laughs> uh 
I mean, they have the welding torches. I'm going to go like a creme brulee. <laughs> <laughs> He's really going all out. <laughs> oh, that was a honest and delightful answer. <laughs> <laughs> And he's not he's not fucking around. Like he's he believes he believes in his team. I have to go for something difficult. Hey, I got a creme brulee torch that I've never been able to make work for for making creme brulee. Oh my god, I've never even I wouldn't even attempt that. (laughs) Uh, I bought it like ten years ago. I would try to hijack tomahawk missiles before before you actually creme brulee. (laughs) Yeah, I'll tell you, you got to be careful because if you undercook it, it doesn't quite work. (laughs) Or sometimes it's a Casey Ryback on the ship. (laughs) That's what I. That's why I want to watch. under siege 2 because in under siege 2 the plot of it is he owns his own restaurant at that point so i want to get some of those sweet sweet casey ryback recipes recipes oh man and i'd love to get the prop menu from that <laughs> i you need to go check um the scenes where he kills the guys in the kitchen in the background it's like casey's famous chili or something like that it's like <laughs> it's on like like uh chalkboards oh, make and stuff the hell out of that in the background where where it's like there, there's recipes that are named like casey's famous whatever <laughs> and it's it's so uh, it must be good whatever he's cooking it must be good uh i love it that is a question i did ask for you i, I did ask was Early in the movie, when he's introduced and he's he's a chef, uh, he's wearing a, the Swedish chef sort of um, uh, yeah. chef hat. And do you think that's do people really wear those, or is that is that just like a like a cliche French cuisine thing that that isn't real? I believe Casey Ryback wears it. Do you think he wears a hairnet? Because he's got some really long hair, and I I don't want he some should those, be. <laughs> I don't want some nasty. Oh, we, we didn't touch on he uh he had to cut his ponytail off for this. Did he? I all right. I know you talked about the ponytail a lot in your notes, but did he actually? Well, because for the in the navy, you wouldn't be allowed to have that ponytail, so they made him cut it off uh, to play the role. Well. Which he... I, Go ahead, Given no, what he does to like the captain, they should have just let him wear it. Like, <laughs> like it would have been purely believable. Yeah, like I, it seems like a weird choice to make as, as as an organization of like, no, that's not authentic. Hey, the, the shit where he steals nuclear weapons and they almost get away with it on on a submarine, you can leave that. But he is not going to wear a ponytail. Yeah, on this ship, that is not permitted. And also a, a nitpick in the notes where the they they're using a gas stoves on on the ship and the <laughs> the navy does not allow gas stoves because that would be a really dumb idea on a no no compressed compressed gas they, uh, in small loca- in, in tight yeah. locations yeah that's a that's a bad idea I, I, uh, I, I thought it was amusing normally the that kind of IMB trivia stuff kind of I'm like all right who cares that that one I did find amusing <laughs> what do you think the most useless IMDb trivia was that you saw on this movie. <laughs> uh i'd have to look again i don't know um was it related to um all of the the people that seagal has actually physically beat up on set or <laughs> was it because he's, he's um, notorious we talked about earlier before we started the, sh- the episode but seagal is, is is notorious for beating up stunt doubles and he broke sean connery's wrist about a decade before this making um never say never again and He's also known for, and I'm not sure when exactly it happened, shitting his pants on set when somebody choked him out after he said, I can't be choked out. <laughs> and some other stunt guy, I can't remember what the guy, the guy passed away recently. 
we talked about it on another episode, but um, Seagal was was basically going around gloating that he cannot be. Yeah, he had a special uh, technique to not be choked out. Yeah, and uh, and, and so, um, oh, Gene LaBelle, I think he's a stunt guy, or maybe mm. even an ex martial arts uh, fighter. Yeah, yeah, and, he's like a long career like yeah famous and um he passed he's passed away but if this is a true story man god bless gene labelle because it is it <laughs> is one of the best stories of um it, okay in 1991 uh, labelle was working as a stunt coordinator for out for justice and it is alleged that at some point seagal announced that due to his extensive training he was immune from chokes which <laughs> doesn't make any sense <laughs> So who knows if this is true, but I, it's a great story. <laughs> According to the telling, um, LaBelle, who was at that point 58. So this, imagine you and I challenging somebody when we're 38 last year, basically. Yeah, we can't be choked 20 out. 20 years older than us. Yeah. 20 years older than us. And um, uh, long story short, LaBelle supposedly put him in a chokehold. Choked him out and ends with Seagal shitting his pants <laughs> at the end of it. Which uh honestly, that's my favorite Steven Seagal story because it feels like it's it's both on brand <laughs> and um and what I would expect of, of him. And just desserts. <laughs> and it's what it's what he deserves. So yeah. And doesn't involve sexual assault. Uh, correct. So yeah. All right, so, so this so, ends. I was gonna say though, you brought up uh, with Connery, never say never again. Uh, yeah, uh, I feel we deserve a shout out to Bernie Casey. Is in this movie? He it for like oh, like thirty seconds, right? Yeah, and then it's Felix Leiter and never say never again. But then he never comes back. It's weird. He never like he's a big actor, and he right. never comes back yeah. in this again. Mm-hmm. And they don't shoot him; they shoot the guy who looks like Robert Patrick next to him. <laughs> Um, at the beginning, and that's it. Like Bernie Casey just disappears for the rest of the movie. It's strange. It feels like that's the guy that if they're gonna free somebody, they freeze. they should have. Yeah, they, like that's the guy that like when they Although, when they. The whole I wonder gets... if that was the plan, and Seagal objected and was like, "I we can't have people that," and that's why they're all so ineffective guys that he frees. He was like, I don't yeah. want to free a guy who could actually like, who's an actual badass. Like 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 an action gonna rival be another him action guy. Of... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's gonna be people who like I have to show what to do and like yeah. That that yeah. would actually sadly make a lot of sense because Seagal's ego just couldn't have somebody who like I, I mean I get that for the movie a bit too, that he's supposed to be the hero. Like that's not uh, that's not an unreasonable note of <laughs> that the hero be the hero. I guess I'm a. Uh, it, it's a shame they don't, they don't do they didn't take the opportunity to do more with his character because he, he he's literally there for the party scene. The guy next to him gets shot, and, th- and that seems to kind of be it on on Bernie Casey's character. Um, which obviously he's a high ranking high ranking official based on on where they place him in that party. So, um, well, all right. Do you want to talk about the, we haven't really talked about the death of, of Gary Busey, but I do think it's fun <laughs> that they use these star shell, uh, um, and that's so I didn't fully understand. 
Well, first, I was gonna say I really enjoyed. Uh, Seagal goes off the ship and he puts this like makeshift bomb he does on this submarine to sabotage it. I loved the Busey scenes freaking the fuck out about repairing the submarine. <laughs> like he is going ballistic, and then they're like Italian or something. And, like and he'll do it like, himself, screaming at these guys who don't speak English. Of he says, "I'll do it myself," but then he doesn't do it himself. He just screams at these guys who don't speak English in English of what they're supposed to do to repair this ship, of like how to weld it and stuff. It was just very funny to me. <laughs> I uh, I, th- I I give him credit because he Busey's trying to kind of steer the whole scene, and I think doesn't quite it 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 just never works, right? Like it just seems like he's supposed to be the alpha. There's a, there's a boat captain for the submarine. That guy's supposed to be an alpha. And all of a sudden, it's scary. Abuse is like, I'll fix it. I'll fix it. I'm going to fix a submarine with with significant damage to its, its hull. And I'm going to make this thing work. And we're just going to move on from it. And, and that's it. It just doesn't ever make a lot of sense. <laughs> but then, like, the, the whole the whole death sequence of they're yeah, using yeah. basically shells that are not um, – they're, they're non-lethal shells. It's like uh, fireworks, basically. And they're shooting that at Gary Busey and, and, and the submarine once they kind of get off of the the Missouri. And for whatever reason, uh, Busey then gets blown up by the star shells, and that's what that's what got me was I did not understand how yes. that happened. Is it because they say, "Oh, we don't have shells," but then they kind of point out we don't have shells. Guns, we got and shells. Like, well, what that. about those? Yeah. It's like, well, so they do have shells for those gun so those are real yeah i i didn't i never really put that together of what that what they were doing or what that spoiler alert neither did the writers or the director (laughs) (laughs) but i i do enjoy it like the 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 idea of just Busey looking like he's he's uh, he hears the shot and he he just sort of sits there and he's like (laughs) getting his pants as as the uh the the non-lethal round hits the yeah hits the uh what do you call it the um the the submarine and blows it up and i don't know if they get submarine if that like does like can depressurize something or like break something or like i mean like it's like a they they pretend a little more delicate but like yeah they pretend that it is a a nuclear weapon that also goes off on this ship like yeah destroys the whole thing they're dead in the water it's over yeah no, no, nothing left to salvage. So that's which seems crazy. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay. And that sets up a, a really fun sort of final fight, and it's uh, the showdown between Stranick and and uh, Ryback. And I think to use your question, um, Ryback effectively sneaks in into the to the. <laughs> the main comms area of the, of the ship to try and to try and disable it. Uh, I think if I'm not mistaken, um, Stranick has already launched a couple of Tomahawks towards Hawaii. And that's, that's like yes. now the, the MacGuffin yeah. is he's going to blow up yeah. Hawaii. And uh, um, as soon as he captures Seagal, he doesn't shoot him. They just talk a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And 
whatever reason, uh, uh, the bad guy doesn't kill the good guy immediately and leads to a very interesting uh, knife battle. <laughs> Which is very slap oriented. <laughs> I know it's supposed to be like the Steven Seagal, like Aikido hand shit he does. Uh, but it really just looks like a two old men slapping each other. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to defend it. That's that's accurate. That's 100% accurate. And then in a very funny... And then that, so then they both have like knives at one point too. And so it's like the same thing with knives. And then Steven Seagal somehow catches the knife in his teeth that Tommy Lee Jones is bringing at him. And every bit of it looks like that is going to... Like, there's no way. There's no way you're stopping that. That's going to slice... You're getting like a Joker smile out of this thing. But no, somehow stops it and then manages to like gouge his time and he just his eye out. And it's, it's you know, it's great as a teenager. It's still pretty fun. Now is a final climatic fight. Um, but you definitely feel the age of the two uh, the two men fighting during during the fight. Um, but I, I do think the Tommy Lee Jones like villain monologue stuff is he's launched the missiles. He feels like there's no way to stop them that he has it. That he's accomplished it and like it doesn't matter anymore. Um, but of course, there is like a thing. Uh, there's a thing Seagal can do with the missiles where they get the code to him and then he can also manually control them. Um, was it like a self-destruct or was it like a, a self? Yeah, there's a self-destruct. Um, but there's like a another roadblock to it that he has to do manually or or, or some shit. Like, yeah, it's like it, it is a kind of thing where it's like, all right, a little bit of tension, but like, ah, I I get they're not going to blow up Hawaii, so I'm not not too worried about it. But look, nobody cares about Oahu. Everybody's just worried <laughs> about the Big Island. Wow, we just lost all our Oahu listeners. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I, it could be that that actually might be the Big Island in Hawaii. So, no, it's not. Okay, we're safe. Okay, they've oh, been in Hawaii. <laughs> they've been in Hawaii, but just in case. Well, um, don't go no, now. After you now, I can't Oahu. go. I can't go. I'm <laughs> yeah. in trouble if I go. Yeah, I'm banned from traveling outside the continental United States because of this podcast. <laughs> no, Alaska will still have you. Oh, excellent. Okay. They they hate Hawaii there. <laughs> <laughs> I uh I yeah, so I I I have a question for you um on the final fight and even before the the missile thing. Who took a knife to the head better? Was it was it William Stranix or was it Jason Voorhees from Friday the 13th part 4? <laughs> Or part uh, I three. Mean, or part I gotta three. Go Jay- I gotta go Jason since he comes back. <laughs> he does come back, but it takes a bolt of um it takes a bolt of lightning to bring him back. So, so you're uh, saying under siege three, bolt of lightning, bring Stranix back. Oh, <laughs> uh, we're, we're there. That's it. That's it. All right. They've been trying to crack this nut for a while, I hear. We finally did it. <laughs> Stranix is is Stranix is undefeatable because he is he is uh, undead. And he also has access to Tomahawk missiles. It's a done deal. Yeah. All right. Emily Jones, I don't care if you're 85 years old. You're coming back for this. You're going to make it work. 
And we're going to have a slap fight at the end again. We're going to have a slap fight. We're going to de-age you, not unlike the Indiana Jones movie. It's coming out. Yeah. So <laughs> it's going to work. <laughs> All right. So we're, we're pretty much at the end. Uh, anything else you want to hit on? Are we? Um, of the movie, at least. I do like the final fight. I do. I do enjoy the weird slow-mo cut of, of Tommy Lee Jones eye being gouged out. Nice. Yeah. And then the, the knife in the head. Um, <laughs> no, I, the only thing I, I will say, and, and, and this is just a, a point of contention, I guess, was I know you weren't a big fan of it, or at least I'm, I'm putting words in your mouth. I don't think you're a big fan of it. The, uh, the sort of at the end, probably in the, in the third uh, act, Ryback gets a bunch of, you know, kind of buddies to to tag along as, as sort of like helpers, if you will, for for the action sequences to retake the ship. I kind of liked it. I do I do think it plays into the it's taking energy away from Seagal, and that that works well. Um, even though it's you know a diehard movies about a guy being on his own. And that was my. I probably need to watch in like six months because I was watching it through the lens of a diehard on a battleship. Mm-hmm. And so I was probably knocking it for deviating from that formula when that, that was probably like a, a smart decision to do for. Yeah. Fair. Yeah. So yeah, I, I it probably, I probably colored my viewing a good bit watching it. Uh, I, I think um, the, the actors around him are not maybe significantly better, but I do think it, it brings a fun energy to the end and it's, it's kind of McLean with buddies type thing. Yeah. Except, you know, they're, they're active in the, in the, the whole effort. So um, that was all. I, 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 I actually like that aspect of it. And again, it, it, it sort of de-emphasizes Seagal's role in the whole thing, which is probably not a bad thing. Yeah. And I actually, they, it's surprising now watching it. Um, but like, it, 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 <laughs> It almost feels weird watching it. We're like, wow, they used him in the appropriate way because you're so used to like that not happening. Well, to to your point, right? I think the 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 ego he probably brings to the table after this movie because it's a hit. Weirdly, he's bringing an ego that's uninformed of why the movie is successful. And yeah, it was movie successful like because because of, of you. Like it was, it, yeah, exactly. And I'll, I'll be honest, in, in 1992, I'm not sure that people, other people actually understood that. Like, I'm not sure culturally that's what people understood. Yeah, at least for our age, people, it, it was a Seagal movie. Like, yeah, yeah. exactly. And you you were waiting for the next one. Yeah. Yep. And it felt like he was the anchor for it. But now as an adult, I'm like, oh, oh yeah, no. Like, hacking this with capable actors to make up yeah. for him. Yeah. And it works. It's it's a great it's a great tactic, and I think that that's why you you don't see anything he does after this is successful to this level is is under siege, where yeah. it's you know internationally it's 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 a pretty big hit and seems to resonate with people. So indubitably. So where <laughs> would you? All right, out of five, where would you rank this? I I thought I was gonna going into it. I thought I was gonna be at a four, but I had it at a three and a half. Um, it wasn't like I, I would put this a notch down from like Die Hard two. 
Okay. Um, for me, just just because I want the I just want the lead to be a little better. Um, for that, and as good as like Tommy Lee Jones is, and that they and <laughs> there's enough craziness with like his character and plan to, um, to not he he's not he's not Hans Gruber. <laughs> it's there's like some questions about what he's doing and his motivations. And he's not just like, yeah. And so, yeah, I know. I know. I had a three and a half. We've had to take a two hour podcast. I don't need to hem and haw. Two hour podcast on Steven Seagal. What about you? You know what? Let me go check my rankings. I think I was a little bit more down on this than perhaps you were. Um, <clears throat> let me see. So you did a three and a half. I did a three out of five. Uh, burgeoning ponytails uh is my ranking uh just because <laughs> it's weird like going back and watch this as, as an adult i i had fond memories of this watching with my grandfather and, and then again with you know this the whole seagal dynamic as a kid but watching it as an adult and just knowing how much of a scumbag he is it's really hard to get super into this that does color it a bit uh yeah yeah because he's not a great actor and then being not a great person like like just it's like you're not interested hat. in meeting him halfway like no yeah. it, 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 like uh you know i know like schwarzenegger's a good example right not 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 the best actor that he's definitely working with what he's got but he seems like he's a good dude e- even after he sounds bad he got cheated. He got <laughs> caught cheating on his wife. He at least owned up to trying to be a, a better dad for his. It seems like for his uh, stepson. It's like okay, made, I'll I'll give I'll give yeah. him some room to be a a human being and 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 a decent. He's made person. some efforts to do like good things. Yeah, like, and it's not, like yeah, Seagal is like okay, whether you agree or not. Like Seagal's just been like it seems like a shit person. Yeah, it's like oh my career's not working great. I'm gonna double down. I'm going to Russia. I'm gonna be best friends with Putin, and that's yeah. gonna be my that's gonna be my swan song for my my career. It's like yeah, he, he, Seagal just hasn't earned any kind of uh, credit. <laughs> so yeah, I, I didn't give my uh, my I don't know. So three and a half out of five uh, strippers jumping out of fake cakes, <laughs> which uh, we did not go into. That in my research, I found supposedly there was a problem for uh, rental places with the VHS <laughs> copy of this where, so there's a scene where uh, Erica Aleniak, um, who plays the stripper who comes on board, who's significantly better of an, of an actor than Seagal <laughs> ever will be. Um, but plays kind of his like sidekick for a little while, but her introduction to him as a, she jumps out of a cake thinking it's going to be for this captain and she is stripping, which they have to do with her eyes closed. Otherwise, she will see like I'm in a room with with n- nobody else. Yeah, it's like so it's kind of. But supposedly that sequence of the film video plays out of the VHS. The VHS copies were wearing out because people would rewind <laughs> that scene and watch it over and over of her jumping out naked and showing her boobs. And <laughs> whether that's true or not, I don't know. I I believe. I'm sure that was true for somewhere, someplace. <clears throat> Whether it was a widespread phenomenon, I'm, I'm 
a little dubious about because you know there are plenty of movies with nudity in them yeah i I think um my 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 mention for that was um basic instinct if i'm not mistaken that was the same year i feel like that was more renowned maybe this was a movie like 14 year old boys could rent or would rent yeah it's true and that more than basic instinct so i was i don't know i'm willing to give it some credence but (laughs) fair yeah so you're telling me that there's not a bunch of kids who want to want to watch a a verhoven (laughs) knockoff of a uh of a um what is his name of a Hitchcock movie? Like you're, you're, you're telling me that uh, you know, not a lot of teens, preteens who are <laughs> to open that. I, all I can say is right around this time, I owned a VHS copy of Caddyshack and I watched the nude scenes and that a whole bunch. So, <laughs> Oh, uh, Lacey. Yeah. Anecdotally, I, I suppose that supports this. <laughs> oh no. This story. Like a hundred percent. Like, 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 uh, what is it? Nine, ten-year-old me was was one hundred percent into this for for the for the fact that uh, that's what <laughs> this was about. I, I just went down a weird rabbit hole of Joe Esterhaus and, and like the movies he made <laughs> because of the Basic Instinct thing. And yeah, this guy it's was definitely in the, in the wheelhouse <laughs> yeah. of thirteen-year-old boys in the early nineteen nineties <laughs> in terms of what they wanted <laughs> yeah. to see. Uh, so, um, okay, so. We talked about it earlier in terms of 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 the run. We're doing we're still doing the the diehard run for a few more movies. Um, we have not done Passenger Fifty Seven yet. We have not done Dread. We have not done Cliffhanger. We have not done. I'm gonna get it wrong. Um, skyscraper. Uh, skyscraper. <laughs> I'm trying to make sure I'm I'm looking. The at Anna me. Nicole Smith one, not the Rock one. Anna Nicole Smith. To be clear, and. Well, I, I did I screw this up? We have we already announced the Toy Soldiers episode? We must have. And, and speed. I'm sorry. And speed. Oh yeah. Okay. Okay. So Ooh, I'm gonna. I think it's my choice because I think I chose Toy Soldiers, which I think drops next week. Yes. I think you picked. Uh, Under Siege. Under Siege. Yeah. And on the Toy Soldiers episode, my bad. <laughs> I am gonna go. I'm I'm sure I will regret it, but we're gonna do skyscraper next. Which one? The the uh, <laughs> why not? But you know what we should do is I'm not gonna let I am not gonna tell you which one we're gonna we're gonna let <laughs> just watch one of them. Make, hey, make sure I watch it. Make sure Anna I Cole watch Smith at least one. one of them. <laughs> yeah, if you watch the Anna Nicole Smith one. Great. If you want to watch the rock one, great. I don't care. I think you're going to probably get the same level of enjoyment from both. And I don't think it really matters. I don't know about that. You don't think so? I mean, I've seen it in Nicole Smith and I've seen the rock. All right. All right. Well, if if it makes you feel better, I will, I will make it easier. Let's watch the, the rock. I believe it's the 19 uh, or sorry, 19. Oh, no, I, no, I was I was saying, um, well, no, <laughs> no, go ahead. Say what you're going to say. I, I, I can't wait. I don't know what I was trying to say, other than I'm not opposed to watching the Anna Nicole Smith one. <laughs> I've seen I put Which it, I, I have seen. <laughs> I have not seen it. Um, I have seen the it was on like Showtime. I don't know when we were teenagers, like like late, late at night. Yeah. And, yeah. Like, <laughs> 
multiple times and over the course of multiple times i i have probably seen most pretty much all of it (laughs) (laughs) but mike what were you doing when you're watching the movie what was what's going on (laughs) is there a reason it took me multiple times to see the whole things i don't know (laughs) is it weird that i've only watched this movie in five to ten minutes spurts i don't know i can't i can't explain it um uh with with (laughs) oh please not not five to ten minutes spurts 20 minute spurts of being very frustrated and then like a two minutes <laughs> and then a two minute spurt of really enjoying it mm, this action this action is very engrossing oh wait something's happening something's happening hold on um yeah no i i think uh uh well i will try we to watch, should watch the rock version <laughs> with nev campbell and uh i think it's set in Hong china Kong? yeah it's shanghai i don't know Maybe? yeah I'm going to try to watch both, but, you know. You should watch both and... Uh, Compare and contrast. We're going to talk about... <laughs> exactly. We're going to talk about why The Rock makes horrible knockoffs of all of the other and movies. Of Smith movies. <laughs> <laughs> why, is, why is The Rock topless in this entire movie? <laughs> I don't understand. So, uh, all right. So... All right. I'm excited. I'm excited. Three and a half out of five. Right. Also, I'll say I enjoyed Skyscraper, the rock one, when I watched it the first, the only time I've seen it. And I know, I know they did it on like, how did this get made? And they shit on it a bunch. And oh, really? I, was, I, I haven't, I haven't heard that episode. Do they not? Yeah, and like... I was disappointed because like, oh, I kind of enjoyed that. And like, they really shit on the movie a bunch. Um, so I'm curious to see it again because I did, I did enjoy it. Okay. So I we, did, we may, I... we may be having a different perspective on it so we'll see i hope so it's got people i like in it it's got nev campbell yeah. it's got pablo schreiber or schreiber also, um uh, you'll have low expectations so that may help you and it's got oh god what is the bad guy in this it's the bad guy i thought from um from the dark knight um <laughs> liam neeson <laughs> it's no that's batman that. begins um the dark knight Wait, what? It's, it's the. Uh, I think he's. I think he's. I think it's the uh, the the uh, the Chinese guy who plays sort of like the 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 money guy in. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Who's the? Yeah, yeah, right, I, I, right. Who's the guy they abduct on the plane with that that whole sequence? Yeah, it's the actor. Uh, his name's Chen, Chen Han. Han. Yeah, play, uh, I can't remember what his character is in this, but he's in it. Um, Nev Campbell's in this. Um, Pablo Schreiber's in this, so I, I feel like there's some good actresses in it. I, I I'm cautiously optimistic, but man, I also just looked at its letterbox rating, two point four. That's uh, yeah. I feel people liked hating on this one a little bit, um, but I, the Rock makes it easy. That's the problem. The Rock makes it easy. <laughs> Disagree. So I'm, I'm going to preemptively <laughs> give this five out of five. Uh, prosthetic legs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> for, for how this movie's. I'm planning on going to expecting a three out of five, and then being pleasantly surprised if it's better. Just to uh, set my expectations. That's to a that's enjoy a it. Enjoy it more. That's a that's a good that's a good idea. All right. Excellent work. I guess I'll smell you later. I can't believe we went so long for Under Siege. <laughs> how, how long did we go? Was I don't it, know. Over two hours. Over two hours? Over two hours on a movie that didn't deserve it? Or did it? Or Casey Ryback. Casey Ryback will return. Casey Ryback will return. Dark in territory. Commander Krill's 
Bob Wright. <laughs> <laughs>